Hey, my lovely, it is Zoe, your host of the Motherkind podcast. This is the show that is going to help you feel less alone in motherhood. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for pushing that little play button. And thank you for coming back to this brand new format that we are testing out where I chat to you, one of our lovely Motherkind community, our listeners. This week, I'm chatting to Jenny who shares why she wishes all mothers could be told about matrescence at their first midwife appointment. I hope you love it. Here it is. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you for this community episode. Thank you for making time today. Thanks so much, Zoe. I'm such a big fan of the podcast and it's so exciting to actually be a guest. I would never have imagined I could do it. So thank you for the opportunity. I was just saying to you actually before we hit record, it's early days for this community episode, but so far I'm absolutely loving it. Like just hearing from people like you in the community who listen to the podcast and are just out there sort of, you know, with the struggles and the triumphs. I just absolutely love it. It's really reinvigorated me actually thinking about how much it can help. Tell us what it was like for you in the early days of motherhood. Oh, yeah, I really struggled with the early days, particularly the first time around. So my first one, my daughter's eight now and my son's four. So it was a little while ago now, although it feels like yesterday. And I think I'd come into motherhood with huge pressure on myself. I thought this was going to be the thing that I was going to be good at. It was kind of the thing I always knew I wanted to do. I've never had very strong kind of career direction and even stuff like where I was going to live and the kind of relationship I was going to have was never set. But from as early as I can remember, for whatever reason, being a mum was something that I really wanted. I didn't knew I wanted to have children. So I went into it thinking this will be what I'm designed for. This will be natural and easy and I will love it. And, you know, I will completely understand and know my kids and what to do. And oh my goodness, the reality was so, so different. Such a shock. I remember just thinking, I've ruined my life. What have I done? And I think I'd brought the weight of all of that into motherhood with me because obviously you have what you have, don't you? And, you know, I was really hard on myself and a bit of a perfectionist, people pleaser, really wanted to control everything and my daughter I understand now she's a really highly sensitive kid she can be very challenging as a baby that came up as just kind of pretty much constant crying she was so unsettled sleep was non-existent really hard breastfeeding was really difficult actually both times and I put a huge amount of pressure on myself both times to breastfeed because I thought it was the right thing to do and actually it just wasn't for us and it would have been so much better if I'd stopped a lot sooner than I did both times and I can't believe I did it again the second time but I did so I think we were sort of yeah in amongst all of that and I think I didn't want anyone to know how hard I was finding it I felt like I was supposed to just deal with it kind of on my own and I would just kind of try and keep this facade of like coping and and being fine and and loving it and that just wasn't the reality at all for me and I think also I found kind of bonding with them both took a lot longer than I thought so again one of those things that you kind of I don't know why I picked this up but I just thought it would be automatic and you know they'd be handed to me when they were born and I'd be like oh yes this is my baby and you know I, I know all about you and we're connected but actually it just wasn't like that for me it took 
a long time to really feel, and I think it's still building now almost even. I think it's sort of something that continues. So yeah, I was just putting loads of pressure on myself, feeling like I was doing it wrong all the time. And I think where I was when I found the podcast was it had all kind of come to a bit of a moment of I'd just gone back to work after maternity leave with my second one. So I had a five-year-old and a one-year-old at the time. And I kept thinking, is this it? Like, I thought this was supposed to be this joyful, magical, amazing experience that was going to kind of change my life. And actually, it's just been really hard so far. And I, you know, I've loved, obviously, there are always amazing moments. and I've loved it. But overall, it was tough. And I think I almost felt like that meant that I'd done it wrong, that everybody else had loved it and, you know, was kind of smashing it. And I was somehow doing it wrong because I felt that way. So finding Motherkind was a really important moment for me in terms of trying to sort of understand all of that. So interesting you talk about the breastfeeding because that's exactly my story as well. Like with Jessie, oh my gosh, if I think about the pressure that I put myself under I honestly wouldn't wish how I behaved on anyone. I was so determined that she was going to get milk from me for six months exclusively. Then she just wouldn't latch and it was so painful. So then I was pumping every single feed. So I was either pumping, cleaning the pump or giving a bottle. That's what I just did. (laughs) It was insane, that pressure. It just honestly, one of the things that broke me and I also really relate to you talking about that bond. And I just wish that, you know, so brave for sharing that. Thank you. Because I really wish that we talked about that more because I remember feeling that. And I remember feeling deep shame that I didn't have that rush of love. I had a rush of fear and panic. And I wish that someone had told me it can take a year, more years. It's like falling in love with someone new. You don't know them. It's a relationship. And I remember the first time that I walked into Jessie's room and she would have been about one. And I just looked at her and I felt complete love. And I remember bursting into tears thinking, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not completely defective. Like I'm not a terrible mother. It's just taken me that time to feel that overwhelming emotion. I think because as, as you were saying, of all that pressure that I was putting on myself, no wonder it's really hard to feel connected when you're putting like tons of weights <laughs> all over you. <laughs> it's really hard. So what was the first episode that you listened to and how did you find it? Did you look for it? So it almost felt a little bit like fate. It's weird, but I'd never even listened to a podcast, but my husband was really into them. And I was, I don't know, like ironing or something one day when the baby was napping, my daughter was at school. And I just saw, I didn't really feel like listening to music and I was like oh I'll just see if I can find a podcast and I just couldn't think of anything else to put other than like mother I think into like the search and I actually didn't find motherkind first but I found you as a guest on another podcast I can't even remember what the other podcast was now but I listened to it and I didn't really connect so much with the host but I really liked you and your kind of calm approach and stuff you were saying you know your honesty so then obviously I learned that you had your own podcast and I went and just by chance the one that you just released was the Dr. Shafali episode. So pretty amazing one to sort of come into. I literally remember being like with the iron, like, God, oh my God, this is what has been happening to me. This is kind of, you know, what's going on with me and what I've been trying to struggle with on my own. And it was really profound that, you know, all that stuff around being a conscious parent. And I really was completely unconscious. 
didn't really know what I was like, didn't really understand myself as a person, thought that my kids, you know, I could just sort of mold them into however, you know, I thought that they should be. And I think it's such a profound episode. But I think the thing that still sticks with me the most about that episode is, you know, I didn't know who she was, but you introducing her as this amazing world leading parenting expert. And then her being like, I still lose my shit with my daughter all the time. I find it really hard. And actually, I think that's the thing that all of your guests are really honest about is that they, they're literally the experts in, you know, all of this stuff and they still find it really hard. And I think because I've got this kind of not enoughness as a tendency in me, I'd always thought I found it hard and I knew that other people did as well, but I was always like, well, of course they find it hard because they're a single parent or, you know, they haven't got family around them or their child has special needs or something like that. And I was like, there's no reason. I have no excuse. I should be finding this easy. And actually for actual experts to be saying, this is really hard actually was, I think it was the breakthrough I needed in kind of thinking it is really hard. And that doesn't mean that I'm doing it wrong. It's just how it is. I loved it when she said that. I was like, here we are. She's Oprah's favorite parenting coach. She arguably is, you know, top of her game, best in the world. And she's saying that she shouts and she finds it hard. And Dr. Becky the same. You know, Dr. Becky's like, I have to watch my own workshops because I find it so hard. She's like, I don't show up as that person when I'm parenting. And I, I just absolutely love it. And you're right. Like most of the guests say, just because I have all this knowledge or I'm a, I'm a therapist or I'm a coach or whatever. And I, I love that because it, you're right. For those of us who, and I'm the same with that not enoughness. You know, I've got that chip hardwired in me, unfortunately. It really helps me to think, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not missing something. Yeah, it's so helpful and so powerful. And I need to remind myself of that. And I think the reason that I keep coming back to the Mother Kind podcast again and again is because you just need that constant reminder, don't you? You can know it consciously and logically as much as you like. But when it gets tough, my tendency is still to blame myself and look at, you know, I must be doing something wrong. So I always feel like it's almost like a little pep talk coming back onto the Mother Kind episodes because it just reminds me of that. Okay, actually, no, this is fine. This is not something that's wrong with me. This is just how it is. Yeah. And I love that Dr. Kristen Neff talks about that as well. She says, we do this thing where when something's wrong or hard, we immediately think that it's not okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I do that. Like the other day I was doing something, I don't know what it was. And it was just really hard. And I was like, shouldn't be this hard. Why is it this hard? We need to change this. And then I remembered what Dr. Kristen has said. And I was like, oh yeah, some stuff's just hard. That's okay. Why do I so suddenly go to, it's not okay for this to be hard or it's not okay for it to be wrong. Or it's just such a powerful idea that acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. Like you say, kindness to yourself. Because I think, is it Dr. Christian who talks about being on an aeroplane with her son? who was That's kind of the one. Yeah. yeah. So that was another one that I listened to really early on as well. It's probably like the second or third one I listened to. And that was amazing for me because I'm not kind to myself as a default at all. So I think to have somebody again who was an expert in this stuff and really honestly talking about how she managed that incredibly. So I mean, what is the more stressful situation as a parent than a, a melting down child on a long haul? flight that's just horrific isn't it but you know I love that she was like you know I was really kind to myself and I kind of taught myself through it and I stroked my arm and you know all of these really practical things 
I felt like, yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not sure I could do that. But that was such a good thing to build towards for me, that kindness to myself and being able to get to that point. Are you kinder to yourself today? Yes, definitely. Kinder than I was. Definitely still have moments. Definitely still a work in progress. <laughs> oh, it depends on the levels of stress and you know what I'm dealing with. And also the particular trigger, I think. Some things are harder than others. But yeah, I've got a lot better at just being conscious of my inner critic so I can catch it a bit now when I'm going oh you're so ridiculous why have you done that what's wrong with you you've done that wrong that kind of stuff that was just I think it was just completely in the background of my thoughts the whole time and not just as a mum that was before I had kids as well actually it's just that having the kids kind of brought it to the fore I think so now because I have done some I suppose like self-development type self-guided stuff and I, you know, have done exercises where I've literally written down all of my self-critic thoughts for like a day or something and then reviewed them. And it's horrific, isn't it? You'd never talk to anybody else that way, particularly your own kids. And I was. And now I think just being aware of it has been a really big step for me, just trying to find that kind of voice, kind of what would you say to somebody else in this situation? Yeah, definitely helpful. That is one of my favourite tools, you know which is a Dr. Kristen Neff tool, is what would I say to a friend in this same situation? It's so amazing to me how we can always find the like kind, supportive, loving words for a friend. Like really quickly, we can be like, you know, a friend phoned me the other day, she was beating herself up. I was like, what are you talking about? You're literally like an incredibly present mother. You're doing so well in your work. I could just see it instantly, that compassion and that positive, It's such a good tool to quickly try and access even a little bit of that for ourselves, isn't it? That perspective. And actually, it's fine. You're fine. Yes. Yeah. Perspective is a big one, isn't it? Because actually, another thing that's really helped me is getting more into gratitude because... And I think this is people like Animatha that I've listened to, like, you know, the kind of the difference between I have to and I get to. And so I've tried to be more conscious of the stuff that is going well that I am grateful for. Again, I think my tendency is probably towards the stuff that is not going well and I'm not doing well enough. So that's been really helpful as well. Yeah, it's true. And it was Dr. Rick Hansen who talked about that, I think on his first episode, where he talks about this negativity bias. Do you remember that one where essentially our brains are wired to focus on what is wrong? That's just a survival mechanism because back in the day, we had to be like constantly, if something was going right, it wasn't going to help us survive, right? So we are actually, everyone is wired to focus on that. And that's why gratitude works because it essentially just rebalances those scales as I think about it in my head. So it's really interesting. Tell us what it's like now. Like tell us, you know, you've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. What are you still struggling with? And what do you feel has really shifted for you? So everything we've talked about, I would say, still comes up. I have to continuously work on it. It's not done. (laughs) So I think all of that stuff around being kind to myself, being less perfectionist, still comes up. I think something that's been really interesting for me as my daughter's got older is, as an example, she's had some friendship issues recently where she's kind of fallen out with some friends and been a bit left out of the group that she was in. It turns out eight-year-old girls are not always, not always that kind to each other, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've been obviously trying to support her through that. She's a really deeply feeling, highly sensitive kid. So she's had a rough time with it at, at times. And it's been so triggering for me because I've had this thing in me of like, 
not being very liked and finding it difficult to make friends and being left out, which, oh, God knows where that comes from, childhood probably myself. And I was taking it really personally that she was being left out and that she was struggling. And it's a bit like that feeling of when you realise that all the kids are invited to a party, but yours isn't. That sort of, oh, God, this is some reflection on me. And I was getting really upset about it as well, which was the opposite of what she needed because, you know, she was going through all this at school. She needed to come home. And then I was her sort of calm, positive, slightly detached from it person that she could go to about it. So I don't know if I found the answer to that, to be honest. That just continues to trigger all sorts of feelings in me. But what I have done is I've really consciously not meddled. I haven't spoken to other parents or kind of overly been in in and out of school, you know, complaining about things or trying to change things. And I've trusted her to find her way through it just with sort of, you know, support. And we've done loads of emotional resilience stuff with her because she does tend towards struggling with you know, being anxious about things so she's got a good toolkit behind her but it's just kind of reminding her all the time that she needs to all the stuff that I do be kind to herself and be positive and as much as she can and kind of trust herself I think that's going to continue to come up because obviously as they become more independent and they have their own lives all of these challenges of the world are going to come to them and I think I'm going to want to sweep in and sort it all out and kind of protect them from it I think one of the other things for me is so my daughter I was kind of the typical good girl of our generation where I did really well at school went to uni got a graduate job always felt like I had to push and work really hard at school and be a perfect kind of student she's not like that at all she's not naturally academic she's very clever but she's creative she's got this real physical energy about her she finds sitting and writing something so boring she really kind of struggles with the formal side of school basically in a way that I never did so I think her path is probably going to be really different and I think there's a part of me that still wants her to be that straight A student because I feel like it will kind of reflect well on me And I really am going to have to let that go because I think she's going to have such a different path. And on a good day and a good moment, I'm so excited for her that she's going to do it differently because I'm kind of in a job that's like, okay, and it doesn't set me alight. But actually, she might go into something creative and amazing that she loves and do a completely different path than I did. So, yeah, and I think with my son, he's possibly going to be more like I was. So, again, it's going to be almost not putting any more pressure if he does tend towards being the kind of academic route being like well that's great but you know I'm not going to put the pressure on you to do it any more than you already are so yeah I think just that element of control probably as they get older it's going to be massive that's so beautiful you know what you're saying I'm just in awe really of your awareness like when you said on a good day I'm so excited to watch who she might become. Like that gave me goosebumps. Like it's just so beautiful. And it is so hard, isn't it? When, you know, I think societally we're programmed to think of success in one really linear route. And when you're parenting a child who doesn't fit that linear route, it's so hard not to feel like a failure. I think it really, really is. But I can just, my gosh, your little girl is so lucky to have a mum like you who I can see you're just going to nurture that sort of rule-breaking creative in her. We need more women like that. We really do. We need more women 
in the world is particularly in the coming generations who are going to be like that. You're completely right. And I think I have a natural tendency to compare with other people. So that's just something I'm going to have to really be conscious of because I know we have the grammar school system. So in a little while, she's going to be potentially, you know, having to decide whether she goes through the 11 plus process and all of that, which is completely wrong for her. But there's a huge, you know, I already know lots of mums I know now, they're all like tutoring and doing these like summer camps for 11 plus and stuff. I just have to kind of disengage slightly because if I start justifying myself for why we're not doing that it's just you know you just get into such a spiral of kind of almost panic about it that you're doing it wrong somehow and I just have to try and think I'm doing what's right for her because I know her best it's so hard that I personally have found that one of the hardest thing I mean lots but that comparison the thing is that really irks me is that it starts from really early. Like I remember I'd never seen a little red book before because no one I know had had kids and suddenly they were like plotting on a median. And I was like, hang on a minute, this is comparison and it's pure. I get why they do it, right? I'm being a bit facetious. Straight away, you're like, where are they ranking? I knew where my like six-week-old ranked compared to other six-week-olds in the country based on her head circumference. I get why they do it, because you can spot early if there's issues. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that really. I'm saying metaphorically, it's just really interesting how we set up that comparison really early. And I think it is so hard. If you have a child who doesn't quite fit, it must be so hard. I'll just tell you a quick story. I went to see uh, Stacey Dooley last night. Do you know her, the documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone said to her, what were you like as a sort of kid and a teenager? And she said, I was an absolute nightmare. She was like, I hated school. She said, I just found it so boring. I wouldn't sit. I wouldn't listen. She left at 15. And she said, I can see now that all the qualities that make me incredible at my job were always there. They were just never celebrated in that system and it really moved me because I thought oh my god how many other like little mini Stacys are there being forced into this you know and she just knew herself from day dot sounds like and look at her now like she's made such an impact on our on our world particularly our generation I think with her documentaries it really moved me she was laughing she was like my poor mum like my poor mum she like refused to go to school I think from when she was about 14 and she just said I put my mum through hell and then yeah just look at her now it's it's incredible yeah that's great that's really inspiring and you are so right because I think what was on the one hand really helpful and the one hand really unhelpful for me was that I I knew quite a lot of mums at the same time as when I had my daughter I was in an antenatal group and I knew some others from work and stuff and while that was great because I had other mum friends and in some ways it's reassuring if you're going through the same struggles but I would constantly compare and I felt like I was the only one that was kind of doing it wrong somehow I'd sort of got into my head that because nobody shares their worst parts necessarily that actually everyone else was fine and somehow I was just messing it up so I think that comparison it absolutely is the thief of joy like people say 100% well that's why you know you being so honest and so generous with your time and your story is bigger than I think any of us really realize because imagine someone listening to this even if it's one person one mum who's just going to finish this episode and think you know there is nothing wrong with me and I'm doing my best and it's meant to be hard and it's not just me finding it hard I think 
you know, isn't that just the biggest gift? And I want to know what gift you would give to all mums in the world. I'm so excited to get to do this because I love this question (laughs) on the podcast and I have given it a little bit of thought and I think the gift I would give to all mothers is the confidence to do motherhood your way because there is just so much noise out there, so many opinions and supposed guidance on how we should be doing it and actually although you know you can seek out information if it's helpful only you will really know what will work for you and your family and the freedom to do that without that guilt and comparison and the fear of that means I'm doing it wrong I think if we could all just have that naturally within us that would just make the whole process so much calmer and more joyful so yeah that's what I would wish for myself and for everybody else Oh, that's such a beautiful answer. And thank you so much. Well, thank you for being in the mother kind community. Firstly, thank you for, you know, listening to as many episodes as I know you have. And thank you for your time today. You know, I don't take it lightly how much it is to share your story. I know it's a really big deal and I'm just really, really grateful. So thank you. Thanks so much. Sorry. I've loved it. And thank you for the podcast. It's helped me so much. And I'm sure it has loads of other people as well. That was the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. I just absolutely adored chatting to Jenny. And I've got to be honest with you, I am loving these community episodes. I feel more connected than ever before to our Motherkind community. So if you want to be a part of it, then just drop Angie on my team an email, angie at motherkind.co, and we will get back to you. Also, because this is a new format, we are testing it out. We're going to see how many of you love it, how many downloads it gets, and then we will keep going. So if you did enjoy it, please do help us spread the word. Share it in your mum groups, share it on your social media, share it in your communities, because if we can see that it's helpful and supportive and you're enjoying it, we will keep going with it. I will see you on Monday for a short moment clip where we share a tool, an idea or a concept really powerfully in under 10 minutes that is going to help you have a better week. I will see you on Thursday for our usual in-depth interview and I will see you back here on Friday for another community episode. And just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then you can now subscribe to the podcast. You can support me and the podcast and our very small team for just $3.99 a month. Thanks. And I will see you next time. 